Ableton Cast Update number two. Actually, this episode is brought to you by the gentleman who plays number two in Austin Powers number one. And of course, look into look into the Twitter, see what's going on, Mr. D. Robson, asking if all Canadians will be forced to leave England with Brexit. I certainly hope I won't be forced to leave England because I'm kind of getting used to this sort of crappy weather. It's grey skies and constant rain and, uh, you know, no really distinct season. It's really grown on me. Welcome back to Ableton Cast. I've got another update for you. You know, is it an update? Is it an episode? Or is it just nonsense? It, to be honest, it's a little bit of all, all those three. So, I do a bit of a tip for you. Don't usually do these, but doing them anyways. Uh, I talked to my good friend, power user, Nathan McKay. And then a real treat for you. I mean, you guys won't even know how much of a treat this is, but I talked to my friend Dennis Michaelis from Canada, a.k.a. Diesel, and we actually chat about Ableton 7 and floor hockey, which is something if you're in England, you just have no idea what that is. But anyways, it's just a real treat. So the idea behind this update, like I said before, I do have more, more episodes coming real episodes that hopefully you'll actually care about. These ones are just for anybody who's really desperate for anything, for anything Ableton related. Just wanted to create a little bit of content in the off season, so to speak. You know, it's it's the summertime. We've had this massive heat wave in England, meaning that it's just actually nice for a change. There's actually blue skies and sunshine. That's like the equivalent of a heat wave here. Sun shining for more than three days straight. Yeah, we're having a heat wave. Okay, enough of that. I think I've been here long enough. They say British people just like to moan and complain. Uh, Guilty. Okay, speaking of being guilty, I have had a few people write in asking me about uh, the whole Judge Judy ordeal. And of course, if you haven't seen it, episode 937, my wife and I, we are in the courtroom. Um, I actually tried to sue my wife. Uh, She has refused to do dishes for years. And uh, I I tried to claim that, uh, you know, there was sort of uh, both physical, emotional damages. Uh, anyways, uh, things sort of got flipped around on me, and uh, anyways, yeah, basically, Judge Judy threw it out of court, but somehow still managed to give me two years of community service, and on top of that, I've got three years in the doghouse, so win-win. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do today is I'm actually going to do a little tip. 
I was talking to a friend who's used Ableton for years. And um, even though he's produced in it and he's a real power user, uh, he's actually never used it to run backing tracks. So I thought I would just do like a little, a little tip, a little tutorial on how to do that. Of course, there's so many great ones on YouTube. In fact, so many better ones on YouTube. But you're here now, so you may as well just listen to me. And it'll be really quick and really easy, hopefully. So yeah, so basically, I'm just going to show you. Well, I'm going to tell you, but I mean, perhaps your mind can see it as I'm talking about it. So there's a track that we use when we play live. I'm going to play that. And uh, I just want to, yeah, I'll just give you like the real easy, simple way of how to kind of like run a track and click out of Ableton. So here we go. So the easiest way is in session view on the master channel, you'll see a little rectangle that says QO and one that says master. If you don't see it, just press the little IO button down to the right that will that will make it appear and you'll see it by default it'll say one one and two one and two one and two for the queue out and one and two for the master out so you'll need an interface with four outs recommended so what i do is i just leave the master out on one and two and then for that queue out i'll just select it to number three and then the click is going to go there and then any sort of vocal cues that I have are gonna go there as well. So we use this to uh, walk on stage, lights go out, crowd goes crazy, or maybe not. Maybe they just stare aimlessly at, at an iPhone catching up on all Facebook and WhatsApp notifications. Nonetheless, track gets started and we head on to stage and really uh, the idea is that it goes through sort of two or three times and then we as a band come in. To make sure that we come in at the right point, I've put a little vocal cue and you can download these little <coughs> vocal cues which they'll have sort of like one, two, three, four and they'll say intro, verse, repeat. All those sort of things if you want. Anyways, you can download them for free. Uh, I think I got mine from Loop Community and you can drag them into a, a drum rack and then you can just add them in. So I've done that sort of, I think, twice through just to show you, um, just so the band knows where to come in. You know, we've walked on stage, got our instruments on, got our in-ears on, packs are all set, we're good to go. So once again, just to break down how I'm doing this, uh, the track, just going to the master, just one and two, and then the metronome is gonna be going to three which I've just set on my interface on the queue out and that's it and so obviously the track goes to the front of house and then the metronome and queue they just stay in the band's ears and then we're good to go you'll hear I've got my little vocal cue coming up one two one two three four Anyways, I won't bore you with the whole thing, but that is a simple, easy way how to run backing tracks in Ableton. Okay, moving on. Again, sorry if that's really basic for a lot of you, but like I said, I just had a good friend 
hadn't done it and I thought well I'll just try and make this really simple for anyone out there so hopefully that's helped if you have any questions feel free to email me throw a paper airplane my way uh, fax yeah uh, a fax machine pager as well would be totally fine so here we are Ableton cast and it's what I do when I don't know what else to do I gotta reach out to the one and only, the power user extraordinaire, Nathan McKay. Nate, thank you so much for joining me. And Nate has always got some great tips up his sleeve. So, Nate, what what do you have for us today? Well, I know uh, in Ableton, something I had to go through recently is uh, stemming out tracks. So when you are getting tracks mastered, sometimes you have the option of doing stem masters. So sometimes mastering engineers will want anywhere from, like, maybe six to ten stems of your projects. And as you know, Ableton is pretty easy to rack up and do some large projects, so you've got to kind of bounce down um, some of those elements into light kinds, so maybe the bass elements together, the melody elements together, the drums together. So that's awesome that you can do groups within groups. Uh, But the one thing is, if you are a big kind of sends person like me, uh, if you kind of export some of those groups the sends will not be attached to that. So what you have to do is actually solo each um, section. So if you have a group, you can solo that. And then when you export with it soloed, then the sends will remain intact. So do you have to solo the sends as well when you're doing that or just soloing the group is fine? Yeah. Yeah, So I will, like recently I did uh, seven groups and then I soloed the group and uh, the stems uh, stayed on that. So actually, I think I did the groups together. And yeah, uh, yeah, you just have to solo and export, and it'll keep that. And if you want, you can bounce down your groups into their own kind of stems as well. Um, but sometimes when you do that, the stems aren't there. But yeah, soloing uh, and exporting, it takes a lot of time. But, you know, get a good cup of tea, spend an afternoon, maybe watch some videos while it's exporting each time. But uh, you'll get through it and you'll be thankful that you don't um, have to lose those sends that you work hard on. Alternatively, you can actually make an instrument or, no, sorry, an effects rack with your favorite sends. So instead of doing sends, you could pile them uh, into an effects rack and then you can map them to some macros and do dry wet knobs. And yeah. you do that uh, by using the chain selector and fading. Uh, those elements and then using your chain selector to decide whether it's wet or dry. And so definitely look on YouTube how to make a dry, wet rack, but super handy. And so that's an option. So there's one producer that I saw that uses no sends, and he does all of his, what most people would use as sends, but make them into his effects rack, and then he saves it. And so myself, I use commonly six sends, so I like a bit of delay, reverb, um, so coloration from saturation and compression, and so uh, and I even use the sausage uh, fattener as a send and use that subtly. So um, so if I want to recreate that in an effects rack, that's an alternative, and then I don't have to go through that nonsense of all the soloing and exporting the tracks and not having my sends there. So that's something I've learned recently is an option, uh, and I was really thankful for that. Also, be careful when you're using third-party plugins like Melodyne. If you've done a bunch of editing, uh, when you're exporting those stems, 
uh, sometimes you might end up with some random surprises and the vocals might be in a place that uh, you didn't expect them to be. So make sure that you freeze those tracks. So um, you would kind of like uh, control click on your track and there'll be an option to freeze. So especially with Melodyne um, and any tuning plugins and stuff like that, it's important to freeze the track before you export that and make a stem out of that. So that was one thing that I recently went through where all my music was fine and I had some Melodyne and some Auto-Tune on, and when I recontextualized the song by putting the seven stems together and the vocals were all off, and I'm like, I couldn't understand, and it was because of some of the edits I had done in yeah. Melodyne. Um, so just, yeah, make sure you freeze those tracks. Something I'm really excited to have recently learned is about hot-swapping audio. Um, everybody's used to uh, constructing things in MIDI, and being able to uh, swap out some of the samples and stuff like that. But I just recently learned how to do hot swapping of audio. So if you have, a like, say, a kick that you like, um, and you design all of your drums in audio samples instead of MIDI, um, what you do is you hit View, and you go to File Manager, and then you click on Set, and then you hit View Files, and you find that, say, for example, that kick sample you have, and there's actually a hot swap button there. And when you do that, it'll bring up all of the samples that are kind of in and around or light kinds um, that might be from that pack of audio samples, and you can just choose another one. And that's, so when you substitute... That's really helpful. Yeah, it's like, yeah, super cool. So then some people visually, you know, get confused by MIDI because it's a bunch of rectangles and dashes, and you're kind of losing your mind. <laughs> but sometimes you can see the you can see the power of a performance, you know, by wave wave shapes of snares and kicks and how long tails are and stuff like that. And so sometimes people like to compose an audio and and if you want that same power that people have been used to in drum racks of just swapping out samples, well now you can do it in audio. And I find it's not a commonly known trick, but it's super cool if that's possible. Yeah, I um, really like to start using that. Yeah. Um, something that I'm actually really excited about and has kind of changed the game for me. Uh, for example, I have maybe grade two level conservatory music theory. If that, you're being generous. <laughs> well, that's what I studied in classical music. That's as far as I got. So, and you know, all our years of band in high school, Kevin, you can't forget all of that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, something that I that's in logic that's not doesn't come native in ableton is when you play you know midi chords on your piano is seeing the actual name of the chord yeah. and so that kind of was frustrating in ableton i'm like why doesn't ableton have that because i have enough theory to kind of get some concepts together like say for example recently did a neo soul album so we wanted to have lots of seventh and ninth chords throughout the album and so sometimes when I'm improvising, I'm not exactly sure what chord I'm playing, but it's nice to reference. And then with the little bit of theory I have, I can kind of arrange chords in a certain way. But uh, if you go to Max for Live uh, plugins, there is actually uh, a plugin uh, in, by Harmacord and they, or J74, and they have the Harmacord viewer. And so they have a whole bunch of little chord resources. And so if you Google J74 Harmacord viewer, and that actually show uh, the chords that you're playing and show you the names. So that's super handy um, for composing. That's kind of changed things the last six months that I've been using that. I've been super thankful for that. 
and then I can feel like I'm on par with all those logic users yeah. um, that have that, that view. Uh, another thing, uh, if you want to tighten up some of your drums, a lot of people, um, if they click on like an audio clip and there is something, if you look down at your options, there are things, there's transient loop modes. And if you click on that, you have a couple options. So you have loop forward, loop back and forth, and off. And so if you click on the one that just has the arrow pointing forward, it's the first option of your transient loop modes. And then there's a thing called the transient envelope, and that's just to the right of that. So go up and down with that and see how your beats start to become tighter. And sometimes when you lower it, the tighter and kind of clickier it gets. But sometimes you'll lose some of the, the power behind it. So you can actually add... Uh, you can combine that technique by making it tight and give some of the beef back of some of your drum loops by, uh, you can use a gate in combination uh, with things to beef it up, like whether it be, uh, you know, over compression or overdrive. You could use the pedal if you have Ableton 10 or saturation, and you can use some of those things to give some of the, the beef back and use your dry wet knob. Uh, to decide how much you're adding there. And, of course, drum bus is quite popular with that. So if you want to make some really tight drums but give some character back, drum bus is definitely one of my favorite things to fool around with. But, uh, yeah, using the transient loop mode and the transient envelope in combination with a, with a gate, uh, you can start to really get some tight drum performances. Mm. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Another thing, cool. when, you're compo- when you're composing with MIDI, notes and you want to jump octaves um doing like shift down or shift up and you can jump octaves so no uh more wondering or having to kind of eyeball it and go crazy and you can just kind of quickly shift your octaves up and down um also yeah, sometimes I think, if like, you want the key command in ableton is a lot easier than the one mm-hmm. in logic i believe there is one but it's just a lot easier in ableton i've always really liked mm-hmm. that one yeah, even having your inversion uh, tab, which is, you'll see INV uh, along with uh, reverse and legato. And so you can actually sometimes inverting some of your chords uh, can help come up with different voicings uh, that you weren't quite expecting. Um, there's another thing that I've been enjoying doing is if you're going to create a drum fill, sometimes... You know, you know, when you play drums, sometimes you just have fun and you actually don't even know the fill that you're going to do. So how do you create that kind of randomness and that fun within a MIDI context? So say you're going to do a two-bar drum fill. So you have your favorite drum kit. Draw out a blank MIDI section for just two bars and then have fun kind of randomly clicking on, like, the bass, kick, snare, hi-hat, and even if there's some other weirder drums don't think about it too much. Just start randomly clicking in your two-bar section. Then do Command-U to quantitize it. And then open your groove pool and play with some of the different swings and see what happens. And so it, the the will be tight uh, when you quantitize it, but it also have lots of character to it depending on which swing template you take from the groove pool. And a lot of people don't even use the groove pool but it's a lot of fun, and you can get a lot of kind of accidental vibes that you weren't expecting from your original performances by opening the groove pool and applying it to your randomly kind of clicked uh, MIDI performances. And you might even get some different drum grooves out of that too, but that's been a really fun way to get some quick kind of random 
uh, exciting drum fills. Uh, also in the drum rack, something that's kind of exciting, there's when you click on an individual sample and in the settings, whether it be volume or uh, let's see, like transpose or whatever, things like that, you can control click on it and it says copy value to all siblings. And so I've been enjoying using the filter options and so it helps get all of the samples in your drum rack. Uh, you can filter them all together and kind of get certain elements out of the way if you have, you know, bass that's competing with some of your drum samples. But, yeah, no, it's pretty cool uh, just how quick you can affect all of the samples in your drum rack by doing copying value to siblings. And so that's uh, super cool. So definitely have fun with that and definitely YouTube on how to make a dry, wet, rack it's it's a little harder to explain mm. uh you know vocally or, or in this interview but definitely something that's worth saving and you can add any effect to it and it allows you to do a really nice blend a lot of things come with a dry wet knob but this also gives a different kind of character and level of control so it's uh super cool so if you take any effect and you leave like command g group it and then you control click and you create a new chain and so you make one chain dry and the other one is the affected chain and then uh, you have to do some adjustments uh, to make it work and map it to your macro but once you've done that and definitely look it up online but it is uh, super handy to know that and you can use that on basically anything and is an alternative to the kind of main dry wet knobs and you can also throw a whole bunch of effects in your rack. So you can just, just the customizability of effects racks. Like you can have up to 128 uh, things in each rack. So yeah, people that's definitely, incredible. Yeah, don't utilize that. I, I just don't know if you have that level of control in any of the other uh, DAWs. So it's uh, super cool. Um, you know, like a, you hear somebody made 128 famous and you kind of hear that floating around on YouTube. But definitely look into what 128s are and the power of that and just the ability to uh, compose quickly and then be able to, if you want to change your mind, you could cycle through kicks or you could cycle through different effects uh, quite quickly. And, uh, yeah, it just helps speed up your workflow when you have your kind of favorite effects in a rack and you can kind of cycle through that uh, by mapping to a macro knob and using your chain selector to choose different effects. And then you can see how your preferred, you know, kind of maybe drum fill or little musical idea, how it's affected with different effects so yeah especially with like different delays and stuff like that instead of goofing around and resetting everything you could have some of your favorite delay patterns in an effects rack and actually use a macro knob and the chain selector to cycle through all your favorite kind of delays and so yeah it'll save a lot of time and you can customize it how you want so those are some of my great tips uh for this week and uh enjoy fooling around in ableton but there's this it's a deep well and uh keep the music alive oh thanks nate that is incredible so i just want to finish off with something which is not ableton related but i just want to get you to tell the listeners about if you can remember what what these two words mean to you do the two words portable slam mean anything to you yes they do <laughs> <laughs> So we uh, went to high school in Stratford, Ontario, at a school named Northwestern. Uh, you know, this is in the height 
of uh, baby boomers having kids. So I believe the capacity of the school is like 1,200 or something like that. So they had to tack on a few portables because there was uh, too many kids. And fortunately, our guitar class was one of those portables. So every time one of us had to go to the washroom, <laughs> uh, we, we didn't leave quietly. We had to uh, slowly go to the washroom, but then turn around and run and do a full body slam right into the side of the portable to disrupt everybody trying to play classical guitar and get a laugh. And it was pretty amazing. And our teacher went a little crazy. Because it was so not. loud when you're in the port, when you're in the portable itself, like it That's sounded right. like, it sounded like thunder. Like when somebody yeah. went, so I don't know like what made us do it or who started it, but it's basically me, you, <laughs> Dave Brenzik, wasn't it? The three of us. Oh yeah. Just, and if you're ever having a, a dull time learning classical pieces on nylon string guitars that you're not quite pleased with and you need a little wake-up call, just send one of your buddies to the washroom so they can run out <laughs> and do a portable slam and make your teacher wonder why. It sounds like there's an earthquake during classical guitar time. Oh, what? I mean, that's um, actually kind of a good reminder of... I think we kind of owe Mr. Manning a... Um, kind of a big thank you because he was um he was i can't really figure out how he inspired us but i think he did in inspire i think he did inspire us uh we could see that you know like his his love for music and he was quite lenient even though we did really sort of drive him to the edge and at times push him over the edge right yes and he put up with our nonsense, and he had a, a quizzical yet dry sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, he definitely taught us what it was like to uh, kind of laugh at ourselves. Yeah, and, and I remember... And life. Yeah, he would let us watch, like, there was, like, some sort of documentary series, like some sort of rock and roll documentary series that he would often, like, put on and this is like back in the days is like as far as i can recall like i don't think it was a dvd player it was like do you remember like the big tv set vcr they're they're all in like this big trolley that has to be like rolled in oh it was vhs all right but i definitely uh have to thank mr manning for introducing us to the history of rock and roll which is yeah uh, and we got to see yeah stuff on you know kind of like led zeppelin i remember watching stuff on like on the who and you know Jimi hendrix and so that was it was pretty pretty incredible mm-hmm. helping us understand when old is new again and uh, just seeing uh, all our old influences coming out in new contexts especially and Ableton, uh, so rock and uh, it, it's so far removed from kind of organic guitars and wailing stuff like that. But you know that whole scene kind of uh, encourages us to come up with kind of uh, great sound design and balls to the wall guitar oriented kind of sounds and discovering how we can do that in Ableton. So yeah, it's nice to know your musical history and where you can take that into the future. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much, Nate. I really appreciate your time. For time sure. and your your memory is incredible. It's just like <laughs> the, the amount of information <laughs> that you're able to retain. It's just <laughs> wild. That's right. Now, a little treat for you. Just a few snippets from my conversation from one of my great friends, Dennis Michaelis, a.k.a. Diesel. 
just a few snippets it may seem random because it is but you know like i said i always like to uh i always like to punish slash reward the person who's just too lazy to flick this off <laughs> body checking um now if you're a little bit more adventurous you perhaps might like to try some shorts but uh, they uh the advantage of the shorts is they're breathable you can get the uh a lot more air flowage through the crotch area, but you risk uh, um, yeah, inciting some, some major wounds to your legs. <laughs> and <laughs> depends how good you are at the beach, too, because if you're like me, uh, the tan lines start start showing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I stick with the tracks. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with the teepees, that's for sure. <laughs> teepees are classic. Yeah, so we get there, and there's this guy family friend of yours oh i don't know oh, yeah. is, is, is it safe to call him a friend or would you say friend oh, or yeah. foe no Tra- travis is a good friend uh i haven't seen travis in probably five years but yeah no he i grew up with the guy so yeah he's a good friend <laughs> so remind me how the story goes we meet at well, center okay so yeah the game was afoot when i showed up and you were there with me and, and you know, waited f- like you you would. We waited till the play was over. And uh, I rushed out to meet Travis, who I hadn't seen in a couple of years at the time. And I'm like, Travis, good to see you, man. I give him a little, you know, high, high five or something. And uh, he's, like, clearly distracted. Um, <laughs> you know, he's looking all around. His team's kind of gone back to his side. And he just looks me up and down for a second and says save the pleasantries for later. I got a game to play. (laughs) (laughs) And then that was it. And the, you know, then we played. Um, And somehow that line has (laughs) never died. (laughs) Never left. (laughs) So, yeah, I love it. Okay, another episode of Ableton Cast. Thank you so much for, for tuning in really appreciate it like i said i do promise i do have uh, some full episodes coming up and it's gonna be great or mediocre or maybe even less than mediocre but it it'll be there <laughs> i remember this story somebody said like when i used to play in a band because you're always supposed to like say say something like to the bands are just coming off and it's like we're told by a friend like you know if the band sucks and you don't want to lie to them but you want to be able to say something you can say you did it man nice one you did it (laughs) so i kind of think maybe maybe that's what it'll be like is like you know there will be episodes and and you might not say oh that was an amazing episode but you could say to me well you did it 